listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Midtown. This is our sermon series on the Gospel of Luke. Today's scripture reading is from Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 57. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen behind me and hear the word of the Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative, Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. See, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zachariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside of her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside of me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill what he has spoken to her. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. And Mary stayed with her about three months. Then she returned to her home. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she had a son. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you. Well, peace be with you. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your grace. 
We ask your favor upon this moment to allow us to be present, to hear your word, to believe your word, to trust your word, to obey your word, to be refreshed by your word, to be renewed by your word. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening, even now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, tis the season to be jolly. La, 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 right? This is the season to have joy. We're just supposed to be happy all the time, uh, no matter what. And it is a beautiful season. One of my favorite times of the year, right? Eggnog, Christmas lights, Christmas parties gifts, Christmas movies, houses decorated. Uh, We should have joy. And more than that, we're celebrating the the birth of Jesus, the incarnation of the Lord. Yet if we're real with ourselves, it's not that easy to just turn on joy. It's not that easy to just be, be happy and to be excited in this season because even though all these things are happening, life doesn't stop lifing, right? I mean, it gets darker earlier. There's financial stress and stressors. There could be a bit of shame as you start looking at what you have in your bank account and who all you want to give gifts, and you think, how in the world did I not manage this throughout the year? That could be fear of not measuring up. There could be tiredness from going to all the Christmas parties. This time of season exasperates loneliness as we watch commercial after commercial where everybody just seems happy. It stirs up something inside of us as family dynamics seem to turn on. Man, it can be dark as we filled with memories of loved ones who are no longer with us. Someone once said that grief is like a tornado. It comes in quicker than you expect. It does more damage and it stays longer than you want it to. And so the question is, in this season, how do we go from perhaps feeling jaded and joyless to to joyful? How do we and can we truly have a spirit within us that says la, 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 and really mean it? Should we? Is there space for lament? Is there space for our brokenness? Is there space to be upset that life is not what it should be? Well, in today's text, we look in the Gospel of Luke and we look at the annunciation of the, the birth of Jesus and we see that there is a way for us to be joyful in spite of our very real realities. In spite of our, our shame, in spite of our confusion, in spite of our brokenness, in spite of our circumstances, today we will see that The greatness of Jesus is our joy fuel. 
Jesus, our joy-fuel, can help us to be joyful even when our circumstances would jade us. And so that's what we want to talk about today. And the key verse is going to come from Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, we read these words, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. This is our anchoring verse. We've got a lot of scripture that we're going to cover, but this is our anchoring verse. And I want to talk from the subject, He will be great. This promise that Mary received about the greatness of Jesus. And in the midst of all that we are feeling and all that we experience as humans, we can have joy because of the greatness of Jesus. And joy is not happiness. Happiness is circumstances. Joy is this experience of delight even when things are hard because our soul is anchored to the Lord. And so today we just want to have three quick movements as we look at all three stories. The first is going to be the movement of calling. The second is the movement of confirmation. And the third is the movement of celebration. And the sermon on a nutshell is simply this. Let Jesus' greatness inspire you to trust God. You'll see a larger summary verse up there, but at the end of the day, this is it. Let Jesus's greatness inspire you to trust God and let it inspire you towards humility and joyfulness. All right, so let's talk about what's going on here by first looking at this first snapshot, the story of Gabriel coming to visit Mary. Now, there's a real temptation when this passage is read or when it is preached to focus on on Mary. Mary should be honored. She should be called blessed. She uh, was a, a young woman who courageously accepted God's call on her life. But if we make this sermon about Mary, we miss the author's intent. What Luke is doing here in uh, this second uh, movement of uh, chapter one is comparing Zechariah and Elizabeth's call to have John the, ba- the Baptist to Mary's call to have, uh, as a virgin, to give birth to Jesus. And the point in this section is not that Mary is great, (laughs) though she is wonderful. It's that Jesus has unparalleled greatness and that the call of Jesus is greater than the call of John the Baptist. And so what we want, the, Luke wants us to see is how amazing Jesus is and how Mary responds to how amazing Jesus is. And so even as we look at this text today and we look at the call of Mary, we want to see that this is really pointing us and reminding us to the call of Jesus. Now Luke starts off and he says, hey, listen, this happens in the sixth month. The sixth month of what? It's more than likely the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So Elizabeth is six months pregnant. Gabriel, who has just visited Zechariah in the section before, is now visiting Mary. And he comes to a town called Galilee. Now, listen, this is pretty fascinating what's happening. 
He's comparing Zechariah and Elizabeth's call to John the Baptist to, to Mary's call to have Jesus. And essentially, he's going to show that both of these are dramatic calls, but Jesus' call was even more dramatic. So therefore, Jesus is greater than John the Baptist. And as we slow down and think about the story, we see that this call for Mary to have Jesus is more dramatic than John the Baptist. And we see this in just comparing Zechariah and Elizabeth to Mary. So he starts off by letting us know some things about Mary. But if you remember, uh, Zechariah um, was in a, a different class. Zechariah, one, he's a priest. Two, he's a man. Um, in chapter one, we learn that he is righteous. He is blameless. I mean, he is a pious person. Uh, uh, three, we learn that uh, uh, Zechariah is doing ministry in Jerusalem. He's selected to be in the temple. We kind of expect God to use people like Zechariah, right? We expect priests to be used by God. But Mary, <laughs> Mary's a, a woman. She's not sitting in first class. She's in, she's in coach. She's by the bathroom. Like, she's a a young woman. She's a, she's a virgin. She, she hasn't really accomplished anything yet. And Mary is from Nazareth. I mean, does anything good come out of Nazareth? She's uneducated. She is just this lowly, humble girl. And yet God calls her. And she's at the center of this story. And this is a great reminder that God doesn't just value priests and preachers, and, but God values everyone. And in Christ, we are all priests, and God sees us all. And God has favor on all of his children. He had a special favor on Mary. He predestined her before the beginning of time to bear the Messiah, to have this virginal conception. So you may feel unseen this morning. You may seem like a second-class citizen in God's house. You may seem, mom or dad, like your invisible work in the house doesn't matter. You may feel like what you're doing day in and day out, clocking out and being a faithful witness to God doesn't matter. You may feel like you are less than because you don't have a, a pedigree or because you didn't get to go to the school that you wanted to go to or have the career that you want to have. And I want you to know that God sees you. He knows you by name. He loves you. Christ, he has ordained you to do good works. He calls Mary. Mary's call is greater than Zacharias and, and that is just unexpected. Not only that, we see that Elizabeth was barren, but Mary is a, is a virgin. I mean, God opens barren wounds in the Old Testament. We see this happen time and time again at important moments. But for a virgin to have a child without having sexual intimacy is nowhere to be seen in the Old Testament. This was Lucas saying, this is even greater than what Elizabeth and Zechariah experienced. Who could have imagined that a woman could have a child without having sexual intercourse? 
Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, there is a, what seems to be an obscure prophecy about a virgin giving birth to a mighty man. But nobody was reading their Bibles thinking that was true. They were like, this allegory explaining away like we do the end of the book of Ezekiel, right? Not only that, but Zechariah and Elizabeth will have a prophet. Mary's going to have the very son of God. Look at the passage. Picking up at verse 28. It says, and the angel came to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. It's very similar to Zechariah and the fear that he had. Then the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And this favor that she's found with God is not because of her own Mary. This is God's grace upon her. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, Yahshua, Yahweh saves. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. This call of Jesus is greater than the call of John the Baptist. Even when John the Baptist is described earlier in chapter 1, it is said that John will be great. But there's a qualification, and the qualification is, is that John will be great in the sight of the Lord. And then it goes on to say that John will be a mighty prophet. The call that Jesus has on his life is superior to the call of John the Baptist. The call of Jesus that he has on his life is to bring salvation to God's people, which is seen in his name. It's to be great with no qualifications. It is to be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David. Anyone who knows the Old Testament knows that in this very prophecy, and as Mary is receiving it, she is receiving this call to bear Israel's Messiah. But Israel's Messiah is more than a prophet. Israel's Messiah is the very son of the Most High. And as one is reading and thinking through the way in which she is talking about, uh, the Gabriel's talking about Jesus, you're reminded of chapters like Daniel, chapter 7, when Daniel has this vision of the Son of Man who is this powerful man, but has been described as a, as a deity and the, the nations are worshiping him. Or Isaiah chapter 9. In Isaiah chapter 9, we read this beautiful prophecy about this, this coming uh, Messiah who will have the government upon his shoulders, who will be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, whose kingdom will be vast and who will have no end. Mary is receiving and taking this in that this angel is saying, I am going to bear this anointed child. I'm going to bear, verse 33, the one who is going to sit on David's throne, whom the Psalms talk about. As you think about Jesus, we, we want to marvel at the fact that not only is he 
in Luke chapter one called the son of the most high, but he's also called the son of God. And that this this calling um, is not something um, that comes or is bestowed upon him uh, later on in his ministry. So there's heresies like the heresy of adoptionism, which uh, basically says that Jesus became God. That Jesus was doing such a great job as a prophet that eventually God said, man, this is the one. He anoints him because he was such a great man and he becomes the Messiah. No, Luke lets us know that that, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus has always been God, and God put on human flesh, and he became a man. And he came to bring salvation to those who do not know him. Jesus is greater. And perhaps you're here today and you don't know Jesus. I want to let you know who he is. He is more than a prophet. He's more than a rabbi. He's more than a philosopher. He's more than a healer. He is God. And he has become flesh. And the book of Luke is all about his divinity and how God so loved this broken world that he allowed his son to come and to live a perfect life and to die a gruesome death to redeem sinners from their sins so that as they place their faith and trust in him, they are forgiven. And not only that, he has come and he has brought his kingdom with him. And all who repent and trust in him become citizens of a new kingdom, a kingdom without border. And everyone, no matter where you're from, can be saved. So Mary has some questions in verse 34. She hears about the greatness of this Messiah. She hears that she will be the one to to give birth to him. And she asks, asks in verse 34, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with the man? And that's, that's a good question. But man, if we remember last week, Zachariah asked the question and he got the silent treatment. And not the silent treatment with someone where God was silent towards him. It was he was silent. For nine months, right? And so the question is, why does Mary not become mute? Why is there no judgment on her? We talked about this a little last week, but I think there's a couple things to consider. One, Zechariah was a priest. Zechariah handled holy things. Zechariah knew the Torah. And to whom much is given, much is required. But second, the text says that when the angel talked to Zechariah, Uh, he told him that he was being muted because of his unbelief. So the angel gets in the heart of Zechariah. God reveals that to the angel. And and the angel says, no, this is is unbelief. This isn't mere doubt. This isn't mere curiosity. It's straight unbelief. Mary is genuinely curious. Like I've heard of older women being barren and who gives birth to, to kids like Isaac and, and, and Jacob and, and, and Esau and, and Samson, but I've never heard of a person who has not had sexual intercourse having a child. Like, break it down. How is this going to happen? It's a legitimate question. And the angel answers her, verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And there's nothing sexual 
about this verse. This, this theme of the Holy Spirit overshadowing or becoming a, uh, like a cloud is a theme that we see in the Old Testament. We see this in the book of Exodus when the Spirit is a cloud resting over the, the tabernacle. The Holy Spirit's presence is there covering the tabernacle. We see this in Psalm 91. talks about the Lord being a cloud to his people, wings to his people, covering his people, overshadowing his people. We're going to see this later in Luke where Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration with Elijah and Moses and James and John and, uh, and, and Peter and the, the Holy Spirit is going to uh, cover them, overshadow them like a cloud. The Holy Spirit, Gabriel says, the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month of, for her who is called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. And this dates us back and takes us back to the story of Abraham and and, and Sarah, where an angel came to Sarah and said that, hey, you're about to have a child in your old age. Y'all remember what happened to Sarah? <laughs> she laughed. And Mary is now brought into the story of what God has been doing in the past. And in her present, he is letting her know that just as nothing was impossible for him back then, nothing is possible, impossible for him now. Some of us, man, we're, we're too grown. We all have seasons of that where we lose our wonder, where we lose the, the sense of which God can do the impossible. He can heal. He still can save. He can make a way out of no way. He can give you joy in the midst of your jadedness. He can use his church to bring renewal and revival. He can use you. He can interrupt your story today and set your life on a path that you never imagined. God is a God who throw, throws curveballs, who, who likes to come in when you think your life is so predictable in an unpredictable way. And they use you in a way that you never imagined being used. Don't lose your wonder. I love Mary's response here. Verse 38, see, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. May it happen to me as you have said. Now, some of us, when we read this story, we're just so comfortable. I remember when I was a, a little boy reading through the Bible in a, a children's illustrated Bible. And I still remember the picture of this story. It was Mary. There was like a bright light. She just looked so innocent. And then it was like, uh, you know, whatever you want, Lord, I'll do. And it's like this, that may be the tone of this. But we have to understand that what, what Mary is engaged in right here. And the way that she responds is absolutely courageous. Because Mary is essentially saying, God, my body is your body, even if it means death. I mean, Mary is signing up to be isolated from her community, to be misunderstood. 
to possibly even have Joseph divorce her. She doesn't know how Joseph is going to respond here, but she says, Lord, I am your servant. Whatever you say, do it. She was a part of a a marginalized group who's under Roman oppression and she hears this good news and she wants to be a part of what God is doing. What a courageous way to live. What a courageous statement. I am the Lord's servant. May it happen to me as you have said. And perhaps God's invitation to you today is to take a similar posture. I am the Lord's servant. May it happen to me as you said. Perhaps there's a a boyfriend here whose girlfriend just found out that she is pregnant and you didn't plan it. You're nervous about the shame that it can cause her or you or how it could set you all back financially. You're hearing the script of the world that this is not a child in her belly, but it is simply a a fetus, and maybe you are are wrestling with whether or not you should have an abortion. And I think, I know that what the Lord would say to you today is to take upon the posture of Mary. See, I am the Lord's servant. May it happen as he has said, because God is the one who gives the ability for one to create and to have life. Perhaps you're here and you're here that and you're sitting under the guilt of having an abortion, of taking the life of a child, and it is on you heavy, and you hear these words and you feel condemned. Perhaps the Lord is saying to you today to run to Him for forgiveness to see that he in Christ Jesus does not hold that against you, that you are the Lord's servant, that your record is clean. Confess, repent, turn to him, and he looks upon you in Christ Jesus as if you have never sinned. What is the Lord inviting you to say, I am the Lord's servant to today? Is it to offer someone forgiveness who has deeply hurt you? Is it to discipline yourself so that you can be a greater steward of the resources that he has given you so that you can give cheerfully, non-begrudgingly and freely as he calls in the scripture? Is it for you to to serve and to give up more of your time, to not just be a Sunday attender, but to join others in this body and pushing the mission forward by using your hands, your feet, and your heart to serve others. I am the Lord's servant. May it happen to me as you said. Or maybe it's just simply to rejoice and to celebrate in the gospel of Jesus Christ, to stop hanging your head in defeatism and beating yourself up, but to see as one who is the Lord's servant, that his favor is upon you, that he sings over you and loves you. And simply to receive his love.
Here we see the call of, of Jesus is greater than the call of John the Baptist. And in verses 39 through 45, we're going to see the confirmation. Now, remember in the text in verse 36, it says, and consider your relative Elizabeth. Well, that's exactly what Mary's going to do. In verse 39, it says that she hurries to the town in a hill country of Ju- Judah. And she enters in Zechariah's house and uh, I'm sure Zachariah just waved at her. <laughs> Couldn't speak. <laughs> and greeted Elizabeth. Verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside of her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and your child will be blessed. What a powerful story. Mary is accepts her call with excitement. She wants to go and make sure that she's uh, not tripping and, and, that the, and, and receive confirmation. She goes into the house. She yells at Elizabeth and, and the Holy Spirit fills Elizabeth and John the Baptist becomes the first Air Jordan. Right? He leaps. He jumps. I've heard of babies kicking. But John was jumping. Why? It's because the Holy Spirit allowed him to jump in order to bring confirmation to Mary that what she had received is true. In order for Elizabeth to be able to respond to Mary and to embrace what Gabriel has said to her. John jumped. He was ready to preach Jesus before he left the womb. He's in there like, let me out, let me out. I've got something to say. And when you have experienced the greatness of Jesus, mm, there should be a jumping inside your soul. The Holy Spirit should fill you sometimes where you just find yourself jumping with joy for Jesus because you know that he is great and that his greatness is, is uncomparable. His greatness is unparalleled. His His greatness is is unique. He's not just a man. He is the man. He is him. And if there's never that jumping for joy, then there, there probably is a sense in which we aren't meditating enough on his greatness. When you realize what he has done for you, how he, by his grace, has made you a grace case, you can't help but to leap for joy. Realizing where you used to be. Couldn't come to church on a Sunday night because you were in the club or had stuff in your bloodstream that wouldn't allow you to feel great on a Sunday morning. But God. Couldn't tell people about hope because you were hopeless. Couldn't share about salvation because you were lost. Mary greeting called John the Baptist to leap. But not only John the Baptist to leap, look at verse 42. It also calls Elizabeth to have a loud cry. Elizabeth begins to cry aloud, blessed are you among women and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to you? So what happens here? Elizabeth begins to to praise God for Mary. She blesses Mary and she blesses her for two reasons. One, because she knows that Mary is going to be a blessed woman out of all of the women because she is bearing the Messiah. 
And two, because she knows that the child that she is having is just built different. The joy of Jesus shouldn't just cause us to jump for joy. It should cause us to shout sometimes. It should cause us to open our mouths and to celebrate his goodness sometimes. It should cause us to be a public witness about who he is sometimes. And what's interesting here is that Elizabeth is the first person in Luke's gospel to use the word Lord. And this word Lord is a word that's going to be used quite a bit in Luke's gospel and even in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, we read this. Peter's preaching. He says, now, I truly understand that God doesn't show favoritism, but in every nation, the person who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. He sent the message to the Israelites, proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You know the events that took place throughout all Judea, beginning with from Galilee after the baptism that John preached how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil because God was with them. This is Luke's message throughout his book. This is Luke's message that the apostles preached. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ isn't simply a good person. He isn't simply a prophet. He is Lord. He is master over all. And to be a Christian means that he becomes your Lord. He becomes your master. You give up your life. You give up your rights. You sign up for uncomfortable living. You sign up for picking up a cross. You sign up to not be popular. You sign up to live countercultural. You sign up to give God your body and say, Lord, as you have said, so let it be. I don't get to decide what I do with my body when I lay my body down. My body belongs to you. My life belongs to you. Verse 44, for you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside of me. Blessed is is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill what he has spoken to her. That's powerful. Elizabeth praises God because Mary believed what the Lord had said. And as we conclude this section, I just want to encourage you to do the same. As you meditate on the greatness of Jesus, part of of meditating on his greatness and and part of having joy in the Lord is, is learning to see God's grace in other people's life and to encourage them. I love this picture of an older woman encouraging a younger woman. Could you imagine what this meant to Mary? to know that she is giving her life to to God in such a way that it will probably cause suffering and pain, but to have an older woman essentially say, the Lord has visited me too. The Lord is with you. Keep going. And that's what I love about women's equip and men's equip here at our church. Pastor Josh, the Bill team, the LMT have been thinking about how do we get older and younger men and women together to build their lives into each other so that there's this body life of older women and younger women, older men and younger men. 
And we all need that encouragement. We all need someone else at a different stage of life blessing us. Third is Mary's celebration. Now, Mary's celebration is going to be packed with Old Testament imagery. And it's going to resemble a song in the Old Testament that is written by Hannah, who was a barren woman who had the prophet Samuel. And if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, you'll see and find her song, and it's very familiar, all right? Uh, if Mary had wrote this song and turned it in, she might be in court for plagiarism. Okay, But it's different, but it, it sounds very familiar. Mary, like Hannah, starts off by praising God. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. And this hymn is often called Mary's Magnificat. Magnificat in Latin simply means magnifies. Mary here, after meeting Gabriel, having the confirmation of Elizabeth, is just going to go forth and praise. She's going to magnify the Lord. She's going to rejoice in God her Savior. And part of what she is rejoicing about is, yes, as she's going to say, the Lord looked upon her humble condition. But the other thing she's going to rejoice about is she understands that this is Israel's Messiah. And if this is Israel's Messiah, then her people's state will change. They are disinherited, to use the words of uh, Thurman. Uh, Jesus in a disinherited. They are under Roman oppression. They are living as second-class citizens in their promised land. Gentiles are ruling over them. And she believes the word of God that by the Messiah coming, this meant redemption for her people. She probably doesn't fully recognize what all this entails. By Acts chapter 1, she would. But this is liberation. So she says, And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servants. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. And we even see in the Gospel of Luke there's going to be a story of a woman seeing Jesus and shouting out to him, Blessed is the woman who nursed you. Jesus is going to say something profound. He's going to say, No, blessed are you who trust in God's word. She will be called blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me. Has the mighty one done great things for you? I said, has the mighty one done great things for you? Somebody shout out something that God, the mighty one has done great for you. Healed you, saved you. Say, gave you height? Over here. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. Amen. <laughs> We're going to praise him anyhow. Amen. He adopted you. Keep it coming. Straighten your path. Got you sober. Your friend. The mighty one has done great things for me. Verse 50, his mercy 
is from generation to generation on those who fear him. Even as we talk about this Advent season and this jadedness that we feel, when you meditate on God's mercy, that jadedness can turn to joy. When you meditate on the fact that what we all deserve is death and hell and hopelessness, even though our situation may seem bleak, we have received redemption and a promise that one day God is going to make all things right. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones, the exalt and exalted the lowly. Notice she is praising God on credit. This has not happened yet. But her receiving the word of God is as if it happened. She believes it. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty, which will be a theme throughout Luke. And he, Luke and she is not casting all rich people away, but what she is saying is that those who use their wealth to oppress others, they end up empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. She breaks out in praise, and I just want to close in praise. God, you are faithful. God, you are merciful. God, you are good. And you can join me if you want to, to stand on your feet and just worship him in your mind with your your hands lifted up or however he calls you to do so. God, you are beautiful. Lord, there is none like you. We are in the midst of a story And the story seems so bleak, but Lord, remind us today that you are faithful, that Jesus is great. Help us to meditate on his greatness. Help us to meditate on his beauty. Help us to remember his truth that, lo, he is with us even to the ends of the world. Lord, we magnify you. We extol you. We exalt you. We lift up holy hands to you. We praise you on credit. You are the God of peace, the God of joy, the God of salvation. You are a miracle working God. You save, you redeem, you strengthen, you encourage, you lift up, bow down heads, you make people sober. You strengthen marriages. You equip us to live as singles. You provide for us all of our our riches according to your riches in glory. You are our advocate. And Jesus, during this season, with all the shopping and all the drinking and all the gaming, may we remember you. There is no one like you. In heaven or on earth, the earth is your footstool.
I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit sojournchurch.com slash midtown.